BIV Today. We're the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe, the editor-in-chief. This week, British Columbians are receiving in the mail a ballot that permits us to vote on whether to preserve or abandon the system of voting known as first-past-the-post, where the winner gets the job. Three alternatives are being offered as part of a system commonly known as proportional representation, and two of these are new alternatives, never tried before. The campaign concludes at the end of November, and after the non-binding vote of a majority of the ballots signals support for proportional representation, a legislative committee is going to fine-tune the concept, and it will be rolled out for our next scheduled election in 2021. We hope to provide a great deal of information at Business in Vancouver and across the Glacier media chain to help British Columbians understand the proposed electoral reforms. And today we're starting with a fairly straightforward primer. Two of our reporters at Glacier Media have been spending much of their time in recent weeks exploring the proposals and how they came to be. Their work is being published online and in newspapers starting this week. I'm joined today by Jeremy Hainsworth and Graham Wood for our discussion. Good to have you both here. Um, Jeremy, start me off. What do you think? What problem is proportional representation trying to solve? The sense that I'm getting from talking to people is that we're we're attempting to solve a uh, disproportional a representation of uh, of uh, varying political views in the legislature, and also to possibly try and get rid of the uh, what some view as the parliamentary dictatorship of the majority <laughs> under the Westminster system that first past the post provides. Yeah, Graham, it is of course possible in a three party system. I think that we have right now, much less a four or five party system that you have federally, for a party with thirty five percent of the vote to to end up securing a majority of seats in a legislature or a parliament, uh, what what would PR do in terms of reflecting the actual vote? Yeah, I think all three, all three of the proposed systems have a a mechanism built in to um, pretty much get to proportionality. So they'll balance the popular vote to the seats in the legislature. So um, a lot of the literature out there is pointing, does point to the fact that you'll have coalition governments, not unlike what you'll see, what you are witnessing with the Greens and the NDP. Um, So there would, there would be no chance of, of a party getting 38% of the vote and all of the power. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to ask you to slowly, patiently (laughs) walk me and others through the three proposals. So there, there are three of these and, uh, and Graham, you're, you know, I think you, you get the lucky job (laughs) of, uh, of walking us through. Start us with, uh, with, you know, the, the one that we know a little bit about already. Right. Um, so, we have first passed the post, so let's get that out of the way. Um, you, it's called a singer, single. Uh, it's a majoritarian uh, system. Uh, single pl- plurality is the technical term, but uh, uh, if you vote for a candidate and they get the most votes, they win the seat, and then they go to Victoria. Um, pretty simple. So the issue now is dealing with these uh, three systems. We have. The first system, which is probably the most simple one for people to understand, it's dual member proportionality. Here we're going to take all the writings in BC and we're going to combine them, uh, two of them, excuse Mm -hmm. me. And so we're going to have about half the writings that we have now. Two writings become one. Two two become one. Mm -hmm. 
and we vote in each riding you you will vote for two candidates um and you will only check one box one box on the ballot um there are some caveats uh the, one of the caveats is that the larger urban riding or rural ridings up in northern bc will not change um about three or four will not change according to the the mathematician who created the system yeah because um, of population yeah. yeah yeah population and they want to ensure that uh if you vote for someone in the northern rural riding they get in whereas What's going to happen with the DMP uh, system is that when you have uh, the first candidate will be voted in by first past the post, and then the second one will be chosen through a formula uh, that will reach proportionality in Victoria. Right. So the second person in, say, the riding, uh, if you want to call it that, isn't necessarily going to be a candidate in that riding. It's going to come from a list that parties will have, um, whether they, whether they pronounce on them in advance, we don't know yet, but, but it'll be a list and they will be essentially appointed to reflect the overall vote across what, across the riding or across the province, across the province? Across the riding. Across the riding. Okay. Yeah. okay so good. It, it's not, DMP is not unlike what we have now, except yeah. simply a party is putting to forward two candidates. The only the only uh, impact that they have is listing the candidate as number one or number two. So the number one candidate that they put forward, they that candidate will be chosen under the existing first past the post system. Number the number two candidate will then be uh, ranked within the within the riding, um, and it, it can get tricky there because you can have a number two candidate be voted as the number one choice however <laughs> he may that he or she may not get in the number two choice could okay get in. okay so help me then uh, understand this so let's uh let's say that uh uh this combined riding ends up where um you know 35 percent of the voters uh select uh, an ndp candidate uh and uh, the green party finishes second with say 30 percent Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, liberals end up with 29% and other parties end up with smaller amounts. So you get your 100% component there. So in that case there, uh, the first candidate gets in, the, the winner gets in. The second candidate is what? Is is going to be automatically the the candidate that finishes or the party that finished second? No, it will be the – so if – it, it may not. It will in like in all likelihood. It will be the the number one pl- place uh, candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a th- theoretical situation where the Greens get fifteen percent of the vote through every riding in BC, you're obviously going to have to put fifteen percent of Greens into the legislature. I see. Okay. So so yeah. so, so then let me stop you there. So does that mean then that we don't necessarily know on election night who the second candidate is that you essentially you have to wait to understand what the overall provincial uh, response yeah i see mm-hmm. okay all right so i'm not yet totally confused uh that's good <laughs> right go to second uh, the second one here right um so the second one was mixed member proportionality so here we are going to 
take all the writings and MBC and we're going to make them bigger. Okay, so we're not going to make them much bigger. Um, 60% of MLAs under this uh, proposal will be voted in as like a local MLA. Um, so that would mean we would have about 55 districts or ridings. As opposed to 80. As opposed to 87, 87 right yeah. now. All right. So each each district will have or riding will have one MLA. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, we will group districts together and maybe, you know, according to the videos from Elections BC, it shows about eight, 10 districts grouped together. And f- from that, that creates a region. And then we will have regional MLAs uh, chosen from a list. And again, the parties will create these lists. They won't mm-hmm. necessarily be candidates even in the election. They could be appointees mm-hmm. from their support base sure. of some sort or ex- you know former executive whatever it is that they want yeah. to do but you you will be able to see who's on these lists yeah. and you are effectively voting for them yeah. um do, do, we, do we know if the parties are going to have to release these lists in advance i don't know that no. yeah yeah I, they haven't gotten down to that yeah. detail yet. okay all right so you end up with um with a a, a basically a second tier mm-hmm. of representation that winds up there are fewer ridings therefore you can you can supplement that and that way you don't make the legislature necessarily larger you right. simply have it reflect more that jeremy you're gonna add something there is the concept of the open and closed lists, um, but I'm not too sure where that's sitting at this point in time. There's so much that really needs to be ironed out on some yeah. of this stuff. Yeah, we're going to talk about how much needs to be ironed out here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Graham, you, you're you're yeah. uh, you're keeping it clear. Um, <laughs> it, let's go to the third one. Yeah, um, you know they're they're not that difficult to understand. Um, yeah, if, right. If you if you you know, okay. do your homework. But okay. uh, so anyways, let's go down to rural urban proportional, by far uh, the more, more complicated one that I had uh, uh, had to figure out here. So we are going to use under rural urban proportional, you use MMP in the northern uh, rural ridings. So uh, like like I just explained, you're going to have larger districts and then regional MLAs that will uh, balance out the equation uh, in parliament or legislature. Um, and then in the urban districts, you will have a system called STV. And I think everyone's single transferable vote. Yeah, single yeah. transferable vote. Everyone's a bit more familiar with that one um, by virtue of the fact that we had two referendums on it. Um, so under STV, I can envision the Lower Mainland having two large, uh, maybe three large uh, regions. And within these regions or large districts, you will have about anywhere from two to seven candidates. So in downtown Vancouver, you would have probably seven candidates, you know, in Vancouver and Burnaby alone. Um, and then what, what, that, what you do here is you rank the candidates. Mm-hmm. From you have to rank one at least, and then you could, you know, if you're a real keener, you can rank all seven one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then from there, the first candidate who gets voted in is the one who reaches a minimum vote threshold based on how many people voted in that riding. So, um, 
suppose you were watching the election on CTV or at BIV.com and you you wouldn't actually know uh, who won right when the polls closed or results came in because calculations would have to be done. And the reason why they call it a transferable vote is because in order, once a candidate reaches that minimum th- vote threshold, all those excess votes for that candidate will go if if you put down a number two choice to the second to, to the second choice the next candidate and then on and on and to on third, and on and third on. and fourth fifth sixth and as we reach that process as we go through that process the the candidates with the least amount of votes will be eliminated yeah okay. and their votes get transferred yeah i mean we've seen uh, ranked ballots in um, in quite a few recent uh, elections leadership for the conservative party leadership mm-hmm. for the bc liberals uh, and and all that. So this really brings that into um, into more of an electoral process, and not necessarily just a, a leadership process uh, and all that. Okay, all right. So those those are the three. Um, now let's also take a look here. At, there's there strikes me as an awful lot of unfinished business on election night in this one, Jeremy, and and what then becomes the role of the legislative committee in the event of a vote for proportional representation. Obviously, a vote for first past the post, you know, we, we put this one away. But if there's a vote for proportional representation, what then does the legislative committee find itself with a task? Well, the the, uh, the legislative committee, and uh, I think David Eby is the one who's going to be shepherding this. It's uh, it's a legal situation. It falls into the attorney general's office, as uh, one of the premier's uh, officials has told me. And uh, the go- the attorney general's office is uh, is going to have to strike this committee to uh, look at creating legislation. There's going to have to be a consultation. Uh, there's going to be a have to be a review of writings. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly redistribution. Because they have upon- to choose which of these three systems falls forward. It doesn't necessarily mean that the one with the most votes would be the opportunity here, although you have to think that that's where it would lean, wouldn't it? One would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that remains one of the hazy areas. You yeah. know, we're, uh, we've got uh, two choices on this ballot. The first choice is yes or no. If you vote no, you don't have to make mm-hmm. the second choice, which is the three choices. Although it is, I would say it's a little unusual to basically uh, then be offered the option, uh, having voted against proportional representation or for the preservation of first past the post, to then be offered the opportunity to say, well, okay, you you don't like PR or you're not choosing PR, but which of these PR ones do you want in the event you get it, right? It's it's That's a little unusual. Um, what I wonder about is, um, let's just say, I mean, uh, uh, that there is among those that vote for PR a pretty strong choice for which of the three options is there, but it's blurred by the people who voted against PR, but who selected one of these three options. That sounds like a quandary for the government. Um, the, the people I've spoken to about this basically believe that uh, the government uh, has created a whole load of chaos right. for itself. Um, what this committee is going to do with all of that, I really don't know. It's That's uh, crystal ball stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, their uh, elections BC says that uh, once the vote happens and this committee gets down to work, it's going to take about 14 months for everything to shake out. That long. Yeah. And which which somehow Graham explains the timing on this because 
obviously we're we're still rather early in an NDP mandate. The election is still two and a half years, you know, three years away. Um, what is it? Is it this timetable that uh, that you know has these requirements of studying and then obviously reconstituting um, writings as part of it, and then essentially getting the province ready for the structure of a vote? Is that what is really the issue here, and why why we've got this quite so soon? Um, I I don't know. I mean, if we have well, I I have an idea. If we have a 14 month period in which elections BC and the electoral boundaries commission has to sort itself out. Um, that still gives about a year over a year to get to a fall 2021 election. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the, the critics are saying that the, the NDP and the greens rush this process. Um, what they're, I don't know what their suggestion would be otherwise, perhaps another citizens assembly, which could take a year, yeah, right? Yeah. And even if you, you could, could have theoretically squeezed that assembly into this process, um, but it would have been tight. So, um, because then you would have had a year for the assembly and then another maybe six months for EB to do his report and then another 14 months for elections BC to sort all this out, pass all the legislation. So I, you know, I, I, maybe I just answered the question there. It would have been a bit tight if, if they had gone through a more rigorous public consultation or process. waited for the spring to launch the campaign, even, uh, exactly. even, even asking another six months in all of this. Yeah. Um, it's, it is, uh, again, a, a curiosity in this and that the, the ballots are arriving this week. And yet we've just come out of a municipal campaign, Jeremy, where the focus was on almost everything but proportional representation first past the post. Um, that's, a, that's a sequence that I think has come under a lot of criticism that perhaps even a few weeks might have helped here to really stir the, the campaign, start to educate people. Because you're essentially getting a ballot before you necessarily have the answer, right? This is something else that's come under a lot of fire. Um, <clears throat> we've got, uh, as, as you note, coming off a municipal campaign. They didn't want to run it dur- the referendum campaign during the municipal campaign no. because of fear of voter fatigue. Yeah. So, or, or interference. Forty-eight in hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Yo, know, it 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 just comes onto you. Know, I've, I've mentioned the concept of uh, of um, you know accusations of this creating chaos, the choices creating chaos, uh, uh, lack of uh, uh, public education in the system creating chaos. Yeah. And uh, it's been suggested to me that uh, the the government has just doomed this thing to failure all the way along and has done so on purpose. Uh, failure really because it, I, it, one would assume that, that those that really want proportional representation are ready to go. They, they're not, they're not, um, they're not really underinformed. They're quite informed. And, they're they're and ready they're, to go, and they're likely to be putting their ballots right back in the mail in the next few days. It's the it's the large group that, and I think polls indicate this, Graham, that really don't quite know yet what to think of these. Still need to study. As I want to ask both of you, as journalists, what do you think the information needs are out there right now as we as we get into this campaign? What do you what do you feel? has to still be explained apart from these three proposals. Graham, start. Um, well, I think just uh, an outline of what needs to be done after the, the referendum. Um, and 
I, I'm not too sure if it's consequential to people's decisions um, that the the lists haven't been figured out or the boundaries haven't exactly been drawn out. Um, uh, certainly, you you wouldn't want uh, massive boundaries, right? Uh, districts uh, um, and districts that cross, you know, the Georgia Strait. Um, <laughs> so, in that sense, it is important, but uh, you know people are going down a deep rabbit hole in terms of like uh, saying that people don't understand the mathematical formulas here. You know, is that really consequential to your decision in this process? Um, you know, I spoke to Sean Graham who created DMP and, you know, his, his belief is that, no, you don't really have to understand the mathematics behind these formulas. Um, but it's certainly being made out to be, yeah. you know, uh, from the critics that we do have to understand. These Yet things. in this day and age where you have such issues of trust uh, yeah. with the public, almost anything that isn't really spelled out very well becomes a, a matter of some suspicion in all of this. And, and Jeremy, what, what, how much suspicion do you think has Ooh. to be overcome in all of this in order to then get – you know, a, a vote that people will think was fairly done. What I'm hearing from talking to people both uh, throughout this process and what I'm seeing uh, <clears throat> on uh, on social media is that uh, people are rejecting this because of a lack of education. Hmm. And, uh, you know, there's the old phrase, keep it simple, stupid. And uh, I think people, uh, from what I'm seeing, are are, uh, are going to say no because they're not being educated. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we've come off, uh, as you mentioned, the municipal process. We've gone straight into this process. And, uh, you know, that fatigue thing sets in. Um, where is the education on just simple education of what this means rather than playing politics with this? Yeah. And that's where I think the distrust comes in. Um, I, I sense a lot of people are seeing this as uh, as power plays on either side by uh, the Green NDP coalition and the Liberals on the other just fighting about who gets power. Yeah. Both of you have spent a great deal of time in recent weeks uh, interviewing people. And I, I suppose one question that will arise, and I think we, we're going to want to explore this in subsequent podcasts anyway, is um, are the NDP really in on this? I mean, do, do they, I mean, is, is this really what it wants or is, is proportional representation something it had to do in order to gain the alliance with the Green Party? This was, this was really kind of critical to their, to their supply agreement. Well, I'll, I'll let Jeremy tackle that one as well. Um, but, you know, I would say that they did... In in, include PR or electoral reform in their platform in 2017. So unless they predicted having a minority, uh, you know, if they, unless they predicted having a minority coalition. Yeah. Had they won a majority government, mm -hmm. they still would have had this as an objective. Right. right. Yeah. It, they would have had it on their platform. Would they have carried through with it? Uh, Jeremy, uh, you know, he's spoken to some people. What do you think, Jeremy? I think that's the million dollar question. Yeah. Um, if you go back to 1996, when Glenn Clark became premier, but uh, lost popular support to uh, to the liberals, uh, the NDP started eyeing the Greens, wondering where their vote was bleeding, and they started looking at the Greens. When the NDP went down to two seats in 2001, 
they started looking at the Greens even more. Now, curiously, the Green leader in 1996, when they got 11% of the popular vote, was Stuart Parker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stuart Parker then went to the NDP. He quit several weeks ago over uh, LNG and said he was done and disgusted. He's a long-time proportional representation supporter, and he thinks this is doomed to failure. Huh, interesting. Um, The party platforms over the years have sort of waxed and waned on support of PR. Apparently, Carol James was not the least bit interested in it. Uh, It sat uh, as party policy for years, but was never really moved on. Adrian Dix removed it from the party platform in 2013, uh, a so-called strategic move, I'm told. And uh, we, we know what happened to Dix in 2013. And, uh, but when Horgan challenged Dix in, uh, for that, uh, that le- the leadership at that point, um, he'd kept it in mm-hmm. his platform, but was apparently very lukewarm on it. And from what I'm told, keeps it there uh, to appeal to the left base of the party. Yeah. And I'm told that's where it stays at the moment. Yeah. Well, the left base of the party would feel that it has been left out. Um, in the last 15 or so years of liberal rule, principally in this province. Now, look, before, before we go, and, and I, I think we are going to have several of these discussions over the next number of weeks, uh, what are some of the early messages you think that are going to be out there on, on both sides? What, what, are the, what are the themes inside the, you know, those advocating proportional representation and those advocating a preservation of the status quo? Anybody want to take a shot at what we think we're going to hear. Well, I think the liberals are, you know, promoting this concept of it being a chaotic and confusing and, uh, the anti PR people are, uh, certainly putting together their, have put together their, you know, theories that, you know, this will lead to extremism, uh, extremist parties. And, uh, on the flip side, um, you, you already see the NDP holding a rally and talking about how your vote will matter. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly one of the consequences of going to PR would be a higher voter turnout, um, more participation. Presumably, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think those are the key themes. Um, uh, you know, certainly a cozier version of PR uh, proposed by the NDP and the Greens, whereas uh, I think the liberals and the, the critics are – really tackling the process and not necessarily the substance of these systems. Yeah. Jeremy? I think we can hear the uh, the NDP certainly uh, uh, talking in favor of proportional representation, doing away with the uh, so-called tyranny of the majority that exists under first past the post. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that may become uh, a more and more uh, vocal about yeah. that. Jeremy and Graham, it's been a good conversation. I'm, I'm still... Uh, I'm I'm still not confused, so that's good. Uh, you've done your job. Uh, but thank you both for doing this today. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Kirk. Graham Wood and Jeremy Hainsworth. And I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening to BIB today. We'll see you next time.